Hey guys, and welcome to the Money Podcast. You know, according to one recent survey, only 4% of Americans have a million dollars or more in their retirement savings, which means 96% of us don't. Of course, depending on your situation, a million bucks may be overkill. Many people could fund their retirement years for less. Still, it's a nice round number, but one worth shooting for. Obviously, however, that is a lot of money. Is it even possible to get there? Well, in a word, yeah. And that's what we're going to talk about today, building a million dollar nest egg. And just as important, how to figure out how much you're actually going to need. I'm Stacy Johnson. As usual, my co-host would be financial journalist Miranda Marquardt. Hello, Miranda. Hello, Stacy. Listening in and sometimes contributing is our producer and a novice investor, Aaron Friedman. Hey, Aaron. I want you to give me your $1 million. <laughs> you are so weird. This week's special guest <laughs> is Roger Whitney, the retirement answer man. Hello, Roger. Howdy. Howdy. Welcome back to our show. We love having you on. You're one of our favorite guests. I, I, do I say it to everyone? Yeah, I do. Um, okay, let's get the ball rolling. But first, a quick disclaimer. Should we discuss specific investments on this show, please do not take them as recommendations because they aren't. Before you invest in anything, you've got to do your own research. You've got to make your own decisions. Okay, let's get back to the topic at hand. First, Roger, let's start with you telling us a little bit about yourself for those of uh, our listeners who have not heard you before. Where, who are you? Where did you come from? And why are you here? Such a hard question to answer. Uh, who am I? Well, I'm a many things, but uh, in this domain, I am the host of the Retirement Answer Man podcast. Been around for about eight years. Uh, I run a financial advisory practice. We don't, I'm not accepting clients. And we am founder of the Rock Retirement Club, where we have thousands or so people trying to figure out how do we rock retirement, regardless of how much money you have. Awesome. So that's, I think that gets it... Uh, did you, did, you say for now. Not, did you say you're not accepting new clients? Yeah, we haven't for about a year and a half. About a year well, and a half, yeah. I have never heard a financial advisor say they're not accepting new clients. That makes me want to be your client. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that uh, how it works? A lot, of them, a lot of them say it, but it's very hard to do. And psychologically, it's hard to not grow. It sounds but, like an exclusive uh, It serves club. me well. I'm, I'm glad that you're. Well, that's, and that's not that's not really the point. It's uh, I'm trying to build a life I don't want to retire from, and that requires me to have boundaries. This is why you are the retirement answer man. Listen to you. You know exactly what you're talking about. So let me, let me ask you something. I know Miranda. This is Miranda's script, but I, I wanted to like interrupt it, which I do 100 percent of the time. <laughs> how do you? How do you know how much you need? I mean, this is this show is about accumulating a million dollars. We're going to give some tips on how to do that, but. How, what if, how do I know if I need a million dollars? What do I do? I think you want to follow a thought out process to get to that answer, uh, which is much more complicated, much more multidimensional than just how much money I have. Right. And we think of it because we're investing folks and we think of, you know, we were trained uh, especially our profession about the investment portfolio and saving, but ultimately what you're going to do when you pay for retirement is you're going to have to figure out how to replace your income and you're going to pay for your retirement from three sources. You're going to pay for it from what we call social capital, which is socialized payments. Pensions would be one. Social security is the one that we all probably have if you're in the U S so that is going to help pay for retirement. Human capital, which is your ability to earn income, whether that's passive income from, say, real estate or part-time work, 
that's going to help replace your professional income. And then the one that we really focus on a lot is, well, how do we fill the gap if that doesn't cover it? And that's going to have to come from your assets. Um, so that would be the logical way you would go through it, Stacy. But ultimately, you know what's interesting, Stacy? And I bet you've seen this as you guys have noodled on this topic for so long, is I know a lot of people that don't spend, don't need a million dollars and they live in an amazing life. Um, yeah, that's, I was just going to ask you, how many people, I mean, do people, you've been in this business a long time. Do people really need a million dollars? I mean, I, I'm sure some do to live the life that they want to live. But do, what percentage would you, do you think do that, that you've dealt with? Most of them? I, I mean, is a million dollars well, really the, something we need to shoot for? I don't know if the million dollars really means anything, right? It, because you have to shoot for solving the kind of life that you want to live. And so it could be, I know a lot of people that have $10 million that don't feel like they have enough. And given their expectations on spending, they might not. And I know people that have less than a million dollars that couple that with uh, passive real estate and social security that are happier than a pig in slop. So it goes down to how are you organizing your life? Because that's ultimately what you have to solve for is how am I going to pay for my life. A, a, a great image I saw that someone explained to me the other day is they were explaining why they didn't want to own a Ferrari. Just name your car. And he said, the reason I don't want to own a Ferrari is I don't want to have to feel the pressure to, the, to live the life of the Ferrari, <laughs> right? Because it's not just the Ferrari, it's the life that you have to live to represent that car. And so I think it comes down to what kind of life we want to live. We want to be careful how we define those things. Well, now that we've totally trashed the topic of this show. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we actually have. No, no, we figured out that just putting a million dollars in your title gets people to listen to the show. <laughs> yes, hopefully, that's, hopefully that's exactly why we did it in the first place. So we're going to raise but, it to five million. But what we really should be talking about, what we are talking about really, is how to develop the nest egg that you need to live the life that you want. Right. Uh, and maybe that's a million dollars and maybe it isn't. Right, Roger, you agree right. with that? Right. All of us are trying to actualize the best life we can when we're our best self. Now, we sabotage that in a lot of ways. You know, so, when, so money is important. So when, when Sony and I were actually trying to figure out, like, well, what do we need to live, uh, you know, uh, in our retirement? You know, it's really we always go to like this month to month thing. Like, but well, what do you think what we live on now, month to month? And then so how are we going to do that when we're not working anymore? And that's, I mean, instead of like thinking in terms of like, oh, I need a million dollars or I need $2 million, we kind of think of it monthly. Is that wrong to do or right to do? No, I think that's a good way. There, well, first off, there is no, there are wrongs and rights for sure, but there are multiple pathways that we have, right? So the question before the house, and I think this is a good framework, Aaron, around that is we want to have hope for our future, right? And you need three things to have hope. You can't have hope without three things. The first off, the first thing you need is an inspiring goal of a future state for yourself. So Aaron at 65, he has to be excited about where what he wants that to look like. Uh, from I want to live here, I want to be able to do these types of things and have these kinds of experiences, and then you can back into the how much those cost. 
if you have that and that's all you have, then you just got to wish. That doesn't mean anything. Um, the second thing you need to have is you need to have some agency, right? What I need to feel like I can actually work to get to this better state of Aaron, to use you as an example. And then the last thing you need is you need to have pathways of how do I get there? Where do, can I apply my agency to get me there? And that pathway could be multiple pathways. You know, I think of, um, I can't think of her name now, uh, Paula Pant. Mm -hmm. Her pathway is very real estate centric. Yeah. I know people that their pathway are investing in their 401k and, you know, traditional market assets. There are multiple pathways that you can apply your agency. And, and so I think that is a way to think about this, Aaron. The way you're doing it, I want to hit, I need this much money month to month. I think that's a reasonable way to do it because then you can back into how do I fill the gap? All right. So my that. agency is deteriorating. So I really need to think about a van down by the river. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. You know what, you guys, uh, this is maybe off topic, but I'm going to throw it in there anyway. Uh, we did, we put up an article on Money Talks News the other day. Uh, and when I say the other day, more like two months ago, but it was like, when, at what age should you take Social Security? And it we've gotten, I'm going to say 800 comments on this thing. I mean, I don't think people are even reading the article. They just want to talk about when they want to take Social Security. And right. almost all of them are going like, I took mine, it's 62. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of them are like, they're really angry, as so many people are these days. Oh, the government just wants us to die. You know, they, they don't want us to, they won't ever pay us anything. Yeah, you, know, you don't wait till 67. You know, you take that thing as soon as you can, you know, any, any second now. But the point is that almost 100% of the people want to take it really early. And the reason why, apparently, is because they hate their jobs. Uh, and, you know, because I'm sitting here, I'm 66. I haven't even thought about retiring. And, and yeah, we, we're talking, you know, different paths to get where you're going to go. And, you know, my path is working less, but sitting right here at this very desk, you know, doing my job and, and getting well paid for it. Because uh, I enjoy it. It's my business. You know, it's, I, I created it through my whole life. and it. But it just amazed me. And the reason I'm throwing this in there, it just amazed me how many people just can't wait. They're chomping at the bit to, to stop working. And, and that's sad to me, you know, because I, I never thought about, you know, how much money I need per month. I just want to have more money than I can possibly spend, <laughs> and, and, which makes me a horrible uh, example. Uh, I'm a do what I say, not, do, not what I do person. But I just I just keep stacking Benjamins and and keep working every day, working less, but working, and that's what works well, for I, me. And I well I think and for me as well, Stacy. I I I am working. Why am I not accepting clients? I'm working really hard to create a life I don't want to retire from, so I don't so I can have more balance. I think the answer to the Social Security, and I forget the number or the percentage that people that take it early, and I think it's very majority. High. Yeah. Um. The deal has been, especially for baby boomers, and I'm, I'm not a baby boomer, I'm right below that, whatever that is. The deal has been, and it's almost an unspoken deal, I think, and, and you're much more entrepreneurial, I think, than most, is that you go to college, you get a job, you put in your 30 years, and you save and you deny and you save and deny, and then when you retire, you can be happy. Yeah. And yeah. you can have more time freedom. That's sort of the unspoken deal when it comes to retirement. And so I think a, a lot of people, and this echoes what you're saying, Stacey, is most people that I, that I talk to that are in the corporate world, 
they are they think of retirement as getting away from the pace of life that they have to be in and that career path. So it's an escape um, because they don't have time freedom. We've surveyed our audience, which, you know, hundreds of thousands over whatever number of years. And I asked them, what what do you mean by retirement? Because that's just the word we use. And I get a lot of feedback, which is, I just want to be able to pursue things I'm interested in. I want to have some time freedom. I want to have control over my schedule. Nobody says the absence of work. So I think that sort of fits what you're talking about. Yeah. Most people don't aren't able to organize their lives how they want to. So they just want to get out where yeah. they can. Yeah, that makes sense. And and so that and so for that those people, it makes more sense to have, I'm going to retire this day and I'm going to need this much money to support the lifestyle that I'm going to live, which is going to look like this. Um, you know, for me, I'm, I, I'm, I'll take a nap right for the show. I mean, I work at home. I'll do whatever <laughs> I want. You know, I ride my bike. I saw you napping while I was talking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I thought it looked like my eyes were open. <laughs> anyway, but, you know, I mean, if to design the life you want is really your point. And I guess that's what some people think of when they use to say the word retirement. Yeah. And so you do have to do finance. And go ahead, Marianne. I think. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say just kind of like going along with that. And I think that's why a lot of people look at this $1 million mark, right? For us in our society, we see $1 million as like the way that you can live life however you want, right? You, if you, if you have a million dollar, if you have a million dollars in your, in your retirement account, then, you know, we believe in our society that should be enough to help you organize your life the way you want. And so that's why I think a lot of people choose that target. Yeah, and I think it's a reasonable like target to have, right? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Roger. I'm sorry. No, I just I, I think it's a reasonable target to set if you don't have a million dollars of working towards that, but it will never be the end, right? That's just a, a, a waypoint in a longer journey of, you know, trying to have a life that you are happy with. Yeah, that makes right. total sense. Yeah, you know what, you guys? I, I can't believe it's already time for us to take a break. We're already halfway through our show. When, when we come back from this short break, Let's talk about specific steps, which actually is supposed to be the purpose of this <laughs> podcast. Um, specific steps you can use to accumulate a million-dollar nest egg. We will be right back after this. Okay, we're back. And now Roger's going to tell us foolproof ways to become millionaires in our retirement <laughs> accounts within 15 minutes. Roger? <laughs> <laughs> I have 15 minutes to tell you? or no, they no, have no, to get it done in 15 minutes to accomplish minutes. it. Okay, okay. <laughs> And I think that's realistic. Uh, it's by Bitcoin nowadays. Oh, wait, no, that was <laughs> no. six months ago. I'm sorry. Let's unbuy was... Bitcoin. Let's short Bitcoin. Yes. <laughs> yeah, um, so, so anyway, uh, for real, though, uh, give, me some, give me some tips. And, and obviously, it's going to be difficult, too. But if, you're, if, if, you're, if someone's starting out or starting over, how do they accumulate a million-dollar nest egg? So it's going to be very different where, than considering where you're at. If you are under 40, the best investment you can make is in your career capital by building your network and building your skill set. That and you're going to use those two things to make earn or more income because wealth is created by income. You want a million bucks? You're going to create it by earning the money. And so the younger you are, the more you want to invest in your your professional and personal network and in your career capital from 
your competency, to your reputation, because that's how you're going to make more money ultimately. When you say career and capital, I think, can you give me an example? I want to make sure this is very clear to people listening. Yeah, so career capital. I'll use myself as an example. So early in my in my 20s and my 30s, I got a lot of professional designations once I once I knew I, what I wanted to do. I look very impressive on paper. Um, you're supposed to say I look impressive as well. Oh, you look impressive at some time yeah. in your life. I'm, so I have so career. Ca- <laughs> <laughs> so I I honed my craft by getting professional designations, which made me much more attractive to potential clients and to potential job offers. One example. Two, you build a reputation of doing what you say you're going to do and doing it halfway well. And then three, you build a network of people that you can walk life with because you never know where opportunities will come up, right? Miranda, I'll use Miranda as an example. She and I (laughs) met at some random conference years ago. (laughs) And we struck up a conversation through a mutual friend, Joe, and probably others. And we keep in touch periodically. It's not like we talk every day. And as a result of that, she emailed me, you know, I don't know, a few weeks ago and said, hey, Roger, would you like to come on the show and talk about having a million dollars? That created this opportunity for me to be here. But that only happened because we had built this relational currency. But those are three things. A great book that teaches that is So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport. So anybody under 40 or even... I read it again in January. It doesn't matter what age. That's a great book that talks about this concept. Um, so that's number one. Number two is you have to figure out how to capture free cash flow. And so free cash, cash flow is I earn a dollar and I have overhead for my life. Let's say that's 50 cents every dollar. The difference between what you earn and what you spend is free cash flow. That's what it would be in a business. And then your question is, what do I do with that free cash flow, that extra 50 cents after I've paid my expenses? And there's only five things you can do with money. You can spend it by inflating your lifestyle or buying, for me, fountain pens. <laughs> you can give it away. You can pay down debt. You can save it as cash. And you can invest it. So the way that you can get to a million dollars or whatever your number has to be is having a systematic way to think about one, how do I capture this free cash flow so it doesn't get flitted away? And then two, how do I make intentional decisions between those five options of what I actually do with it? And we use an agile approach, which just comes from agile project management to have lots of little conversations so I can make decisions in an organized way. But ultimately, that's how you're going to do it. That's, Doesn't you, matter what you buy. I mean, it matters what you buy, but it, this is more important than all the tactics of what's the best investment and all that. This, you're so good at this, Roger. I can understand why people are pounding on your door trying to become your client. I mean, you're you're seriously good at this. Oh, thanks. I mean, you really thanks. are. I mean, I, I thought you would say like, you know, buy real estate, invest in the <laughs> stock market. I mean, which which you probably would say, but 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 giving the philosophical background of where you're going is so valuable. Uh, it, I don't. I don't. I would argue that it's not even philosophical. This is what you should do. Yeah. Right? yeah okay. It's you're right. That's the wrong word. Strategy, and then the tactics. It could be real estate. You know, those are the multiple pathways. You could pick one or a couple of them. I have some real estate. I have a lot of bonds and equities. I have business equity. I'm choosing multiple pathways to try to create my wealth. 
Yeah, me too. I've, I've, I've been yeah. a real estate investor since I was 21. I've been in the stock market since I was 25. And I've been uh, in a bone loan business since I was mm, 30. Yeah. Yeah. And there are people that all they've done is invest in their 401k consistently over decades and they've built millions of dollars. That works too over a long period of time. But I think the key thing here, and this gets lost, especially, well, maybe it's coming back into vogue, but we saw this in the 90s with technology stocks and we saw it recently with Bitcoin is we think that the investment makes us money and it doesn't. It makes our wealth. We make our wealth and then we use investment to preserve and grow it over time. And when we flip that around, we can really get ourselves in trouble. Hmm. You know, I, and that's, that's, I think the key point is put the real thing that builds investment is you and you can control you. So that's where you should focus your efforts most, most of all. That makes a lot of sense. I found too that people don't are, are impatient uh, a lot of the time, you know, they, and, and then <laughs> yeah. they look for a shorter yeah. path that doesn't exist, you know? I mean, just just showing up and waiting. You know, I'm relatively wealthy now, but I didn't get that way until I was like 60, <laughs> you know? It's just all of a sudden one day, my credit score is 850. I don't owe anybody anything and money's piling up. But it took me a really long time to get there. And if I didn't stay on the path, you know, of investing in stocks through thick and thin, and there's lots of thin, you know, and, and <laughs> investing in real estate, uh, and it sucked a lot of the time, you know, when I couldn't get a tenant <laughs> yeah. or I couldn't sell or my partner got divorced and blah, blah, blah. You know, there's tough times. But, uh, you know, it just it took decades. But all of a sudden, one day there it is. And I, and I think some people get a little impatient and that may hold them back. Investing is really great point, Stacy. Investing is really horticultural time is the phrase I heard. Hmm. You know, if you were to plant a seed, we talk about growing seeds and I talk about growing orchards. But you don't put it into the ground, water it, and start a stopwatch. Investing is very horticultural time takes a long time. And the other thing I thought of, too, is that even in business, and I'm sure you've experienced, all of us have experienced this even in our personal life, it's like a hockey stick. Yeah. You work and work and work and invest in your business, and but your free cash flow, your real savings power, you got to get through if you're married having have kids and all that other stuff or buying a house. It goes like this. And then you all of the free cash flow happens towards the end. That's when the compounding catch ups catches up for all that effort you put in. Yeah, that's exactly it's hard right. to keep exactly. that perspective. Use that yeah. as an analogy, a hockey stick. That's exactly what happened to me. Yeah. I was I always did okay, but then right at the end, when I was too old to spend it. <laughs> No, I'm not too old to spend it now, believe me. But, but it did, it yeah. just happened really, really compounded fast um, in the last 10 years or so. So stick it out, yeah. those of you and, out there who were in your 30s and 40s. And, and it's easy to screw that up in your 20s or even your 30s and feel like I have no chance to catch up. Yeah, and you know, um, I, I was thinking and that, that is – Go ahead, go, go ahead, Roger. I'm sorry. Finish your thought. Um, and, and that is true to an extent, but you're – you're at where you're at. And the question is always, what can I do next? Uh, there's so much we can do. I mean, you know, look, you're 65. I think you said, almost I was a mess in my <laughs> 67. Okay. Next month, um, the 19th, I, for those of you who are shopping for me. <laughs> <laughs> You'll help the economy. Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter where you're at because our, you know, it's not about being 60 because like you, I'm going to work into my seventies and you have time, but right now you just got to do what you can do. 
Well, and what, you know, Roger, I'm sure you get this all the time. I know we get this all the time. Um, I'm okay. I hear you talking about saving for retirement, all well and good, but I'm not 19. I'm 55. What do I do now? First off, they have to go, th you know, when you're 55, you have to focus a little bit more on specifics, right? When you're younger, I think just wealth accumulation is enough rather than thinking about retirement. It's too far off to really be meaningful. But if you're 55, you want to go through how much does it cost to have my base great life? So that base spending that allows you to go to a movie, to eat out once in a while, to travel once or twice a year. How much do I need for my base great life? You want to start to dial that in a little bit. And then also add in, okay, what are the extras, the discretionary things I would like to have? You want to know what those spending numbers are. And then you want to know, will my social capital, social security and other things help pay for that? And do I have enough assets to fill the gap of what they won't cover? And let's assume you don't have enough. What do you do? Well, you look at what options you have. You can save more, sacrifice a little bit more now to shore that up, but you may be too far behind the eight ball for that, right? You can plan on spending less, maybe you downside house, a house, you move to another location, you figure out what options you have to lower that base great life expending. And perhaps you add in human capital. Now we think of adding in human capital, which is work, right? As, well, I'll just retire later. And that may be the option. But I think working or retiring is a binary framing of the issue because there's a lot of in between there. If I'm working 60 hours a week and I'm making 120,000 a year, well, perhaps you could work more normal hours that with a job that you can leave when you leave work or maybe work half time, you make less money, but you have more time freedom. So there's a trade-off there. There's a lot of in between there, but ultimately you're going to have to identify what are the options that you have to fill the gap. And it's not going to be about necessarily taking more risk or finding the best investment. That is the, the last place you want to start. You want to do that at the end. You want to think through. Some people bluntly are going to just have to work a lot longer. And so then if that's the issue because you're too late to the game, you want to think through, if I have to work longer, how can I do it where I actually like my days? That makes total sense. And can sense. still have a great life. That's great advice. By the I mean, way, that's, can, can I like completely stray off topic again for another question that we get continually? Or Remember I was telling you that we get, we wrote this article about Social Security and we're getting all these comments, everybody wants yeah. to retire. Here's another thing. A, a lot of these people are going, uh, Social Security's not going to be here when I'm 67. I'm 61. I'm taking it the second I can because those commies are going to take it away and it's not even going to be here at all. And they're just ripping us off. You know, it, it, this is very, very common. And, and by the way, I have to add, too, that when I became a stockbroker in 1981, it was common then, too. People thought Social mm -hmm. Security was going to go away. Uh, and this, this is a great sales tool for financial advisors too, you know, be sure and save, you know, because yeah. your social security is going to be gone. What, what is your, what is your comment when it comes to people saying social security is going to dissolve and was it 2035, you know, whatever, you know, that's what, yeah, that's when it flips. Yeah. Um, so I don't think I answered the first question either. So one is the way, my opinion on how you 
focus on your social security claiming strategy is to try to maximize that lifetime income for you and your spouse, which generally is going to be delaying. It's the best lifetime guaranteed inflation adjusted annuity you'll ever get. So you want to really focus on maximizing that. It's not about break even and all that other stuff. On whether it's going to be there or not, I think it's a lot. It's it's, it's a really cool thing to write an article about, right? Sort of like, you know, it's a headline. It's clickbait. Yeah. In reality, there are a number of simple fixes that extend it out a lot longer. Um, and we, we don't necessarily have to go into those, but it can be extended out a lot longer fairly easily when the political will is there. Yeah, well, but I mean, actually, and the it's last- real simple. Two of them are right off the bat. One is re, uh, paying it later, you know, which they've done. You know, it's now 66 and nine months for me. Uh, and the other is um, taxing more of your income, which they've done also. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they raise it every year. So, yeah. I mean, they're, 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 or, or more means testing, right? I'm which sorry, is what? the taxation or yeah. more means testing, which is essentially the taxation. They have a lot of levers they can pull. Yeah. Um, and one thing we forget, and I, ha- I was talking with a social security expert, expert at the uh, Investment Wealth Institute about this, we forget it's not a program. Social Security is a law. It's legislation. We have to pay out like we've agreed to. It's not some program that we can just randomly tweak. It's actually a, a in the, in the in the code. So there, it takes a lot to make it not go away. So I don't even think about it going away. Now I think about the things that you talked about, Stacy, but. Yeah, and I think that's it. exactly what's going to happen too. I I just wanted to throw I want to throw that in there as often as I can to remind people. But just in case I'm wrong, and my generation is the last one that gets Social Security, let me add this. <laughs> I won. <laughs> no, not, I'm, I hope, At least you'll say thank you, Stacy. Come on, man. At least say thank you. Oh my gosh. I, I think everyone's going to get Social Security. It may make less of it. And you know, another thing, people too, they complain about Social Security is that like, oh, you, how are you going to live on that? You're not supposed to live on that. I mean, so, so, Social Security is supposed to keep you from dying of starvation, literally. And that's what it was created for. Um, so, you know, that you are yeah. supposed to support yourself and you're not supposed to whine and bitch that Social Security you, you can't live on very well. I mean, obviously, there are people who do, uh, but, you know, it's not designed to, to support you in the life to which you become accustomed. It's supposed to keep you from starving. And it yes. will do that. Um, what else? Uh, Miranda, I haven't heard much from you. We're almost out of time. Yeah, well, I what mean, I think, add? yeah, I mean, I think if you're trying to build your nest egg over time, it you know, your basic things are start as early as possible. Um, also be consistent, you know, set it up automatically, uh, look for tax advantaged accounts, right. So that you're, so that you're not, so that you're more efficient, right. As you're growing your wealth, you want to be more efficient. These tax advantaged accounts can help take advantage of an employer match and then don't take money out of your account, right. If you're going to save for retirement, try as, as much as possible, unless you're in an emergency situation, try to keep that money in the account for as long as possible. That's great advice. And also taking a measured amount of risk. My, my yeah. dad, uh, he worked for the government, so he had a, and he was a retired vet. So he, he had you know, significant income when he was retired. But he was afraid of the stock market. Wouldn't go near it. And that's really, I mean, you can't, I'm trying to remember what he would say about the stock market. He called it gambling, basically. Uh, but you can't, you've got to take some measured amount of risk. That doesn't mean you gamble. It means you take a measured amount of risk. Agree, Roger? I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think we people think about risk as 
like right now, volatility in the market's going down, right? And the the longer the time frame, the less this is risk. This is actually opportunity the younger you are, right? Because you're systematically investing, like Miranda said, and you have a long time frame. You actually would prefer the markets to go down can, for the next 10 years because you'll be buying more and more shares at lower prices. So when you're in the accumulation phase, right, it's time, it's systematic investing and take as much volatility as you can handle because that's how the compounding works. Uh, that is so fundamental, but hardly anybody does it because it seems too simple. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's one of the it's one of the few mathematically proven ways to make money. As long as long as the asset you're investing in ultimately goes up in value or stays the same, uh, that's a mathematically proven technique, dollar cost averaging, to make money. It will work. Yeah. And as you get uh, older and get closer to decumulation, you got to change that equation. But we're talking about accumulating assets here. Uh, yes. And that is, that is definitely the formula. You know what Mark Twain said, Roger? <laughs> uh, the way to make money in the stock market is to, to buy stock. Wait, is it buy stocks? If they, if they go up, sell them. If they go down, don't buy them. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that simple. Yeah, um, anybody have anything else? Aaron, Miranda, um, I was just going to say um, one of the things you guys said earlier, uh, patience early on. Um, I think that's really big key. And of course, uh, getting rid of as much debt, debt as possible. So I was one of these people that did not do any of these things we're talking about when I'm in my early 20s. I screwed up as much as possible. Um, <laughs> Roger's raising his hand for those who are just listening. And, um, <laughs> and um, just in a few years, um, me and my wife, I wanted to, I wanted to add the, the power of two. You know, uh, when you have somebody else um, really concentrate, you got to get on the same bandwagon, you know, when it comes to uh, not spending over and, and what you invest in and other things. Like that. And then adding that uh, that uh, patience in there. Um, we did that. We had patience. And even right now we're having patience. You know, everybody's like, oh, we got to buy this. You got to buy that. And we're like, no, let's just wait and see where things go. And let's find the right opportunity to, to, to bite on something. Um you add all that together and it really works and you can do it in a short amount of time, even if you're a late bloomer like me, um, you know, just follow those rules. Good advice. One thing related to that, Aaron, uh, that, that I thought of, that um, we talk a lot about what investments to buy and what's the best thing to buy, but this, that controlling the spending part, we only have so many levers in our life to pull. The one that you just mentioned is a big lever. Yeah, it's a huge lever. What actual investment you buy is a lot smaller. Right. Um, one rule I heard, and I've not implemented this, but it would be smart from uh, some a member of our club. They had a they had an agreement that this was a husband and wife that nobody was allowed to buy anything online without. They only did joint online shopping. They didn't do individual online shopping. And that was a game changer for them because the friction to spend money is so, it's gone. Right. Right. With Apple Pay and things like that. So, yeah. you know, that reminds me of one other thing I would throw out there too uh, a, a general statement. Uh, and this especially applies if you're younger, but it could apply at any age. Uh, if, if you want to succeed, find someone successful and follow them around until they get a restraining order. I mean, yeah. Uh, when I when I wanted to learn real estate, I, I was right out of college. I mean, I was dying. I mean, I wrote a, read a book called um, "How to Make a Million Dollars in Real Estate Without Really Trying" or something like that. I mean, I was all about it. You know, I'm 21 years old, and I would rented a house 
uh, part of a house from a guy who owned 100 houses. And I literally followed him around. You know, I asked him everything I could ask him. Uh, and this applies at almost anything, whether it's an athletic endeavor mm -hmm. or starting a business or, or learning the stock market or anything else. You know, find somebody yeah. that's successful at what you want to be successful at and follow them around, you know, and talk to them. And a lot of people will be flattered, you know, and you can learn a lot from doing that. So that's that's a final piece of advice I have. But don't follow me around because I will get a restraining order. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, guys, thanks so much for joining us. We are out of time. We are never, however, out of a topic. Dig a little deeper. You're going to find links to lots more info in our show notes. And remember, if your goal is to make more, to spend less, to retire rich, your online home is moneytalksnews.com. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That is Miranda Marquit, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T.com. And you have to go visit Roger Whitney at his website. That is, simply enough, Roger Whitney, W-H-I-T-N-E-Y.com. If you got a question, comment, or topic you'd like to suggest, please tell us about it. You can email us at hello at moneytalksnews.com. And one final thing, if you appreciate what we do, then do something for us. Subscribe to the podcast. Takes you two seconds. Really helps us, though. So if you like us, don't just sit there. Show us. And subscribe and tell your friends, too. I'm Stacy Johnson. I'm Miranda Marquette. I'm Aaron Freeman. And, that, and that, I'm Roger Whitney. There he is. That, there I don't know is. if I was supposed to say that or not. No, you were supposed to. And I was supposed to remind you. So so you, you did the right thing and I did the wrong thing. That was Roger Whitney. Okay, thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. We'll see you right here next time.